KMUW's podcast platform is made possible by High Touch Technologies, a software, technology, and business communications company that provides products, services, and support to all industries. High Touch brings the human touch to technology with a world-class team of industry experts. Learn more at hightouchtechnologies.com. I'm Josh Carey. And I'm Chef Tom Jackson. And you're listening to Cooking with Fire. Today we're going to be cooking up spicy chicken wings with a rum glaze. Let's get started. This is Cooking with Fire, a global exploration of barbecue from KMUW. Welcome to episode 68 of Cooking with Fire. Today we're going to dive into the world of rum, talking about its history, its role in prohibition, and where some of the best rums are being distilled today. Rum wouldn't exist without sugarcane, the plant it is distilled from, and sugarcane has a rocky history as a cash crop around the world. There are a lot of theories about where sugarcane was first grown, with claims being that New Guinea, China, and India were all the place of discovery for the plant. While we will never know exactly where the plant originated, we do know that sugar was first refined in Arab countries in the 11th and 12th centuries and introduced to Europe through the Mediterranean. Arab countries used slaves to harvest and refine the plant and had complete control over the sale of sugar in Europe. The Portuguese were instrumental in the spread of sugar throughout Europe, but were looking to harvest their own sugarcane and cut the Arab nations out to grow their profits. They explored the coasts of Africa and set up sugarcane plantations in the Madeira Islands, Cape Verde, and the Canary Islands. Using African slaves, they quickly took over the sale of sugar and became the world's largest exporter of sugar by the 1500s. In 1492, Columbus brought the first sugarcane plants from the Canary Islands to the Caribbean, and the Spanish began milling sugar in Cuba. Much like the Portuguese, the Spanish used African slaves to grow and refine their products. From here, sugarcane quickly spread throughout the Caribbean and into the mainland of the Americas, with both Mexico and Brazil getting sugarcane plantations thanks to the Spanish and Portuguese. This brings us a little bit closer to the first distillation of rum, but first another sugarcane-derived spirit was made in Brazil. Cachaça is the national spirit of Brazil and was first distilled from fermented molasses, a common byproduct of refining sugar, in the 1500s, over 100 years before rum was first distilled. Cachaça was used as currency to trade for slaves and other goods, much like we will see rum being used by pirates and colonists alike beginning in the 17th century. The first written documentation of rum being distilled comes from 1651. Richard Lagone wrote in his book A True and Exact History of the Island of Barbados about the liquor known as Kill Devil, more commonly known now as rum. By 1652, rum was being written about in Dutch newspapers, so in a very short amount of time, the spirit was distilled and then quickly gained a reputation around the world as the drink of degenerates and pirates, the latter being somewhat a source of pride of the murderous thieves of the sea. There's no doubt that rum is most associated with pirates and the sea. In fact, if I were to ask you to name the most famous rum on the market today, chances are you would say Captain Morgan. Captain Morgan is named after Sir Henry Morgan, a privateer who became rich by raiding Spanish ships and settlements. So rich that he was able to buy multiple sugar plantations on the island of Jamaica and later became the Lieutenant Governor of Jamaica, a 180 from his time as a pirate. And on his death, Morgan was given a state funeral. An amnesty was declared so that the pirates and privateers could come pay their respects without fear of arrest. Sir Henry Morgan was known for his drinking and gambling and being the owner of multiple sugar plantations, having a rum named after him seems fitting. But he wasn't the only pirate to be associated with the spirit. Pirates and seamen alike were known 
to use rum for medicinal purposes as much as they did for recreation. The spirit was commonly mixed with fruit juices and water to keep sailors healthy while out at sea for months at a time, and rum was a common currency that allowed pirates to buy everything from food and supplies to slaves. Rum distilleries began popping up all over the Caribbean in the following centuries, with the Mount Gay Distillery in Barbados being founded in 1703, making it the oldest known rum distillery. Other brands such as Cruzan, founded in 1760, Appleton Estates in 1825, Bacardi in 1862, and many more have been making variations of the spirit and growing its popularity around the world. One place that rum never really ran out of favor is in the U.S. Rum has a long history in the United States and is arguably even more the national spirit of this nation as there were rum distilleries here long before there were bourbon distilleries. And during Prohibition, people still needed their rum, and one man charged himself with making that possible. William Bill McCoy was born in Syracuse, New York in 1877. The son of a Union Navy member, he attended nautical school in Pennsylvania before eventually going into business with his brother, building yachts for the rich and powerful in Florida in the early 1900s. When Prohibition hit the U.S. in 1920, McCoy and his brother were having financial problems and figured there were other ways to make money than selling large boats to rich people. And what they decided was to become rum runners and alcohol smugglers. After selling their belongings and investing in a large schooner, the Henry L. Marshall, Bill and his brother soon began importing rum into the United States from the Bahamas, along with both Irish and Canadian whiskey from North and Canada. For much of this time, he he smuggled the booze to Rum Row off the coast of New Jersey. Rum Row was a common term for the ships that were anchored off the coast three miles, which was the border for international waters at the time before 1924. These large ships would then offload their goods onto smaller ships that would sneak them to shore. McCoy was well known by both the mafia and US government and equally hated by both. He refused to work with either and would not pay for protection. Instead, he smuggled in quality spirits and sold them without cutting them, making him one of the few Prohibition era rum runners that carried about selling a quality product. After his arrest in 1923 and subsequent nine-month stint in jail, McCoy returned to civilian life in Florida. Now is typically when we would cut out to Chef Tom in the ATBBQ.com teaching kitchen to start on our recipe, but instead I'm going to do a few tasting notes for two affordable sipping rums on the market for those of you who may be interested in buying a few rums to try for yourself. All right, so now for the tasting note uh, part of this podcast, and I want to apologize. First of all, you probably noticed the drop in sound quality. I'm actually in a hotel in Las Vegas right now with my wife on vacation, and I hadn't had time to get to this portion of the podcast before we left, so I don't have any of my normal studio gear with me, so I'm simply using my wireless Bluetooth earphones and my phone for this part. So, But this will be quick, and we'll get back to the wonderful quality you're used to with the podcast, so I apologize. But real quick, I'm tasting two different rums here. Here. The first is the Cruzan single barrel premium extra aged rum, and the other is the Real McCoy five year rum. Both of these bottles come in under $30 retail, so I think they're a great introduction to non rum drinkers who want to try rums or rum drinkers who typically drink sugar added and spiced rums um, from those mid and bottom shelves. These are a really good move up if you've only ever experienced the Captain Morgans and some of the cheaper Bacardis of the world. So, first is this Cruzan single barrel extra aged rum. I have a little problem with the single barrel branding of this. It's not actually a single barrel. It can't be because it's aged between 5 to 12 years. Well, if it was a single barrel, it would be aged. It would have a singular age statement. But what they mean by single barrel, and because rum does not have the same stringent guidelines that, say, scotch or bourbon has, they can get away with this. What they mean is they blend their 5 to 12-year-old rums, and then they take that blend and they put it back into a new oak barrel to be aged a second time. 
time. And from that barrel, what I gather is it's bottled from that barrel. None of these bottles that I've seen have any kind of barrel numbers or anything. So I don't know if these are not yet again blended before they're bottled or if they're truly bottled from a single barrel. But I think the single barrel is a bit misleading on there. But nevertheless, sub $30 is a very good rub. The nose on this, I get some caramel, oak, a hint of baking spice. It's not incredibly sweet as you would expect from a spirit distilled from molasses. But on the palate, you get even more of that caramel. It reminds me more of a bourbon than most rums I've had in the past. It obviously doesn't have that big corn flavor you get with bourbon, but a lot of the other notes of caramel and oak are present. But the palate ends pretty quickly and goes right into the finish. The finish is medium long with a lot of oak and a sort of creme brulee creaminess that I can only guess is a mix of that sugar from the spirit and the char of the oak barrels. Overall, I think this is a nice sipping rum for bourbon and rye drinkers. It isn't incredibly sweet, and while the palate is lacking, I think the nose and finish make up for it. Second here, I have the Real McCoy Five-Year Rum. This rum is, of course, named after Bill McCoy, who we just talked about, and it is one of my favorite rums to suggest to non-rum drinkers. The nose has a nice sweetness that isn't overpowering, with hints of oak and vanilla, but where it really shines is the palate. The palate is creamy, with a big baking spice bomb that just sits there. It, it, isn't, it isn't like those cheap spiced rums you'll find on the shelf, single shelf down from it. This is all in the distilling and aging process. No sugar or spices are added to this rum, so it's the real McCoy. And I'll just apologize for that pun and move on. Uh, now onto the finish. The oak and spices outlast everything, and it has a nice long finish for only being 80 proof. Cruzan is also 80 proof, both of these rums. But the reason I kind of wanted to compare them uh, against each other, they're both 80 proof and they're both under $30. A quick note about Real McCoy rums. All of the rum is sourced from the Foursquare Distillery in Barbados, which in my opinion is making the best rums in the world right now. But Real McCoy rums come in at about half the price of their Foursquare branded brothers, with this five-year coming in under 30 and the 12-year at only $40 retail. If you're looking to try sipping rums for the first time, you can't go wrong with either of these. So I thank you for listening to me kind of blather on about these two rums. Got some other spirit-focused podcast episodes with recipes coming up in the future, so we'll get to do a little more of this. And hopefully next time, Tom and I's travel schedules won't conflict so much and we can sit down and do this together. And now is the perfect time to cut out to Chef Tom in the atbbq.com teaching kitchen and get started on today's recipe. All right, well, we're going to kick off our rum-glazed chicken wings by starting to make a rub from scratch. And it's a very simple rub that we're making today. Just three ingredients. Starts with a base of smoked salt. Then we add a little bit of smokiness, a little bit of color to it with some smoked paprika. And last, some red chili flakes for the heat. So we'll just give this a good mix. And these are gonna go directly onto our chicken wings. I've got a half dozen each of the flats in the drumettes that I'll be cooking up for this recipe. You can always multiply this recipe up if you wanna do a bigger batch. I'm gonna start by hitting these wings with a little bit of spray fat to give this rub something to adhere to. So we're adding a little bit of saltiness and a little bit of spiciness right off the bat. And we're gonna balance that out at the end with that rum glaze, which is gonna be pretty sweet. So we'll have a sweet and spicy wing here in the end. I'm just flipping these wings around so we can get all surfaces covered again. A little bit of fat on the outside. All right, so we'll give these just a few minutes to let that rub kind of attach to the meat, and then we'll head out to the grill. All right, today we're cooking on the Napoleon gas grill, and I've got one half of it preheated over high heat. Temperature sitting at about 500 degrees, and I'm going to throw these chicken wings right over the direct flame. So we'll start with a direct grill, and if we get the color we like before these are done cooking, then we'll move them to an indirect position to finish cooking. 
but especially the flats, they tend to cook pretty quick, so we may not even get to that indirect cooking today. Just depends on how hot your grill's running. In the meantime, here on the side burner, I've got my trusty eight inch lodge skillet. I'm gonna preheat that over a medium heat and we'll combine the ingredients for our rum glaze. Now for the rum glaze, we have some fresh squeezed orange juice, lime juice, and some pineapple juice that we're gonna be combining with our rum, some honey, garlic, ginger, and cornstarch to thicken. Now before I get all of these juices into the skillet, I'm gonna pour out just a little bit of my orange juice into a small container with cornstarch and make a slurry. So we dissolve this cornstarch into the orange juice and then we'll add this here in a little bit to help thicken everything. So I'm adding to the skillet our orange juice, pineapple juice, lime juice, and an equal portion of dark rum. To sweeten things up, an equal portion of wildflower honey, and then some minced fresh garlic and ginger. So we'll bring this up to a simmer, just stirring. We wanna see some bubbles forming. We wanna start to reduce this mixture. All right, checking on the wings now. Just been a couple of minutes, maybe a few minutes. We're getting some good grill marks. I'm gonna turn these over. And we'll just continue to grill these to get some nice grill marks on the other side. And then we'll start checking on the temperature. All right, our glaze has come up to a simmer. So I'm gonna turn the heat down just a little bit. We give our cornstarch slurry one more stir and then add that to the skillet as well. And immediately this starts to thicken up, which is great. We want a nice sticky glaze that will attach itself to the outside of the wings. I'm gonna go low heat now. As we see the thickening power work, we don't wanna scorch this on the bottom, so Low heat, keep whisking that around. And then we're just gonna give it a minute or two to really cook out any cornstarch flavor. All right, let's check on our chicken wings. We're looking at internal temperatures of about 135 right now. I'm gonna say we wanna shoot for about 170 on our chicken wings. You know, on chicken breasts, we always recommend going closer to that 160 mark. But the wings, they have a bit more moisture inside and honestly, a little bit more silky texture when they cook a bit further than that 160 mark. So we're gonna go for 170 on our chicken wings. We'll just kind of continue to move these around, get the color we want on them, and then we can always move them off to indirect to finish. All right, the last of the wings are coming off the grill now, going directly into a bowl. And we're gonna add to that bowl our glaze and just toss everything to coat. Well, they certainly smell amazing. And just because I know you guys can't and I probably should let you know, I'm gonna go ahead and have a taste. That's fantastic. It's sweet, it's salty. The rum's not overpowering, but it's there. It's got just a little bit of tang from that lime juice as well. I would say that the rum glazed chicken wings, they definitely deliver. That does it for today's episode. Let us know if you cook this recipe and email us at cookingwithfirepodcast at gmail.com to let us know what else you'd like us to feature on the show. And as always, visit kmuw.org to get the full recipe for this week's cook. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed the show, please head over to iTunes and leave us a review. This allows us to reach more listeners. And join us next time as Cooking With Fire welcomes a special guest as Chef Tom is off in Australia cooking for our friends down under. 